0: Hey everybody, hopefully you guys are doing really well. Welcome back, this is China part two that we're gonna be looking at. Mao Zedong in power, success and failure. Please make sure that you do have a couple of things for today's lesson. You wanna make sure you have your textbook, however it is that you find it, whether it's gonna be online on Pearson Realize, or you're gonna have the PDF file that's attached to this Google Classroom lesson. You also wanna make sure you have the PowerPoint set up, I'm going to be doing this one in display mode where I'm actually as if I'd be doing it in class because there's going to be a lot of pictures. And if you do it the other way where you're actually looking at um, the view where you can edit the file yourself, you're not going to be able to see the pictures kind of uh, come in one by one. They're all going to be on the same slide together. Um, you want to make sure you also have the lecture, what you're listening to. <laughs> so if, if you're hearing me, you already did that. So we need textbook. You need your um, your work packet as well. You want to open up to the last three questions that you guys should have arrived to. And it should say the cultural revolution. There's also going to be a video that if we were in class, we would watch it as well to give us a visual. Uh, So we got some pictures that will give us a visual and then some video footage that will give us a visual about Mao and his successes and most importantly, his failures. So looking at the second slide, you're going to see there Mao waving his hand. He's saying hi. Let's all wave back to him. Hi, Mao. And uh, the title says the first five-year plan, 1953 to 1957. Communist nations oftentimes have plans, five-year plans. Uh, the Soviet Union had the five-year plan under Stalin. They had a second five-year plan under Stalin. One was about industry. The other one was about agriculture. Uh, it seems to be that five-year plans are very, very popular for communist states. And the idea of a five-year plan is we are at point, whatever, zero, starting here, let's say if we're China, 1953. In five years, we want to put uh, a checklist together of where we want to be in five years. It's a view of progress that we're going to be taking the next step forward. We're constantly looking forward. Now, whether or not you achieve the five-year plan, I guess at the end, once the five years are over, you can go back and look and say, okay, what were some of the successes? What were some of the failures? But for the first five-year plan for China, it is all success. They set very high production goals for industry, specifically for cold, steel, and electricity. So their industry grew somewhat up to like 15% per year. It was very successful. And if you look at the, the next images, um, some of these images, I, I think really, they're mostly propaganda, right? They're supposed to give you this view, outsiders like us, non-Chinese, as well as the Chinese people, that the five year plan is a success and because it is a success the communist party and the rulers of china are also under the same term of success everybody works together in a communist state everybody's a brother and a sister of one another you're working towards the common good so the first image that you see there on the next on the slide that i'm looking at here is the one with the bridge and it looks to be like there are thousands of people crossing the bridge and they have flags Uh, there's an airplanes uh, flying over the bridge, there's a train going under. So there's not only uh, industry as far as coal production with the train, but there's also technology and innovation with airplanes flying and maybe steam engines on the ships underneath the bridge. But it seems to be that China is progressing. And of course, you see plenty of flags, a lot of the red revolutionary communist flags flying, a moment of success for the Chinese. And yeah, it is a it is a drawing, right? It's not a a photographic image. So there is some people that would say, well, okay, does this show reality or is this simply propaganda? Is it it the Chinese state trying to puff up their chest and say, look how great we are. Look how successful we are. Does China really look like that? If we were to take a snapshot, a a picture of China uh, in the 1950s, does it look like that type of celebration? The next image is also another uh, Chinese propaganda image it shows the red flag of communism. There you see Mao's face on the side of it, and each one of these Chinese uh, people, whether they're carrying uh, sledgehammers or they're carrying a um, uh, a textbook. Uh, there's one man towards the back who has um, what is it the with the welder's mask on for industry. A couple of farmers, maybe even a scientist or two in here. That everybody is marching. Under the same flag, they have this brotherhood and sisterhood with one another. And of course, there's always Mao there, right? That Mao is the leader and everybody's following the leader or celebrating the leader. Another thing that you should notice with not only this image, but also some of the other images, the Chinese people always looking in the distance, right? Because if we're going to promote progress, progress is in front of you, right? You need to march towards progress. These people are always looking into some void of future. They're never looking directly at you, the person, right? The person is viewing the image. The artists are drawing it to show people looking forward to progress. The five-year plan, we're going to be looking into the future. Five years from now, we're going to be in a better state. The next picture that you should see if you press your uh, your space bar, or enter, or go forward, is a five-year plan that China has. China is actually on their 12th five-year plans. This is one for 2020. So this is what China set up five years ago, that they wanted to be at a certain point in the future. So this is not, five-year plans are not something that old Chinese or old uh, communist states do. This is still in existence. They, they want to say, okay, where are we going to be in five years? This is what we want to have for ourselves as far as growth, where we want to be. So like social and economic development, they want to create 50 million urban jobs. Uh, they want to add value to new industries to reach 15% of GDP, gross domestic product. It's so much money that they want to be able to uh, to increase by 15%. Um, two-child policy under the health uh, towards the bottom, middle. It says a two-child policy uh, fully implemented, whereas before China, because of their population growth, restricted children to one person. This is a uh, China that would restrict. Uh, they are couples to having just one child under the risk of being sterilized by the state. So if you had two children or more, the state would come arrest you, you'd go under a procedure and guess what? Now you can't have children. Uh, financial services increase focus on green finance for financial innovations, financial markets, significant market reform. They want to have under environment 5 million new energy vehicles manufactured and sold, uh, they want to build 30,000 kilometers of highways as far as building it or upgrading it, uh, civil airports, and so on and so forth. So once again, just an idea that even though here we're, we're talking about China in the 1950s, uh, we're not <laughs> we're still in 2020 here, and China's still setting goals for themselves in the future. All right, the next uh, slide, you're going to see the title of the second five-year plan, The Great Leap Forward. So once the first five-year plan... Was completed and it was a overwhelming success. Mal believed that you, you know, if you're going to be successful, well, might as well try it up. again. Let's go over the second five year plan. And this second five year plan has specifically the title of The Great Leap Forward. All right, once again, progressive, looking into the future, much like you see the two individuals there. Uh, one man, is holding up what seems to be some sort of, a, I believe it's iron of, of some sort. He has kind of the welder glasses on his on his face. And then the woman there is holding um, wheat, uh, bound of, of wheat, and all the other farmers are walking, and industrialists are walking forward. So the Great Leap Forward was a two-part system. One was to continue off of the greatness of the first five-year plan, specifically in industry, trying to increase the amount of iron production. The second part of the Great Leap Forward was for agriculture, that if China was going to modernize their system, feed their people, uh, increase their population, they would need food in order to do that, right? That kind of makes sense. If you have enough food to feed 50 million people today, and every year you're growing by 5 million people, then next year you need enough for 55 million. And the following year, maybe 60 million. And next thing you know, it's 7 million a year. And so you need to find ways to increase the amount of food for the amount of people that you're going to have in your population. So uh, China does modernize their agricultural system. They do so by placing people onto farms, these massive communes, communal farming. Each communal farm, we're talking about you know, not a small a small amount of uh, of space, we're talking about a massive, you know, dare I say, like, uh, whew, maybe we take an entire city. So let's say we take Whittier, right? The greater area of uh, uptown Whittier, and that entire area becomes a farm. And so everybody who lives in that area will become a farmer. So 26,000 communes were created, and each farm had upwards of 25,000 people living on that commune. We're talking about living, eating, uh, going to work, going to school, everybody uh, washing, sleeping uh, with one another in communal uh, bathrooms, communal dormitories. Everything is done in a commune. If you think about communism, right? Communism is the idea of people collectively working. And so a commune, you have people collectivizing, working in a community, a massive community farm. So whether it was community farms for agriculture or community farms for building of industry, specifically with iron, the Great Leap Forward was a massive step backwards. <laughs> Bad planning and inefficient industries led to disasters. So if, let's take a, a look at some of the propaganda posters that were created by China during this time. So the next slide, you're going to see what seems to be a man who's walking on water or an entire... I don't know, 40, no, what is it? Uh, maybe 20 people, 20, 30 people that are walking on water. There's a guy on a rocket. There's a guy on a rocket. I mean, that's pretty crazy. But here they are, these people that are uh, riding a motorcycle on water. Um, here's a tractor. There's a woman on what seems to be, uh, she's holding maybe spindles of thread. And she's also on a carpet of cotton, red flowers. know. Uh, uh, there's a little uh, school child with the white shirt and the red uh, handkerchief across the uh, her, uh, his or her neck with running with a textbook. Seems to be a planner, a farmer, a guy holding up a green flag. I don't know why it would be a green flag. But um, all these people, once again, looking forward, right? Progressing together as a community. Uh, the next image, once again, shows basically the same thing. Some of the, the you know, things might be different. You got industry in the background. There's this massive white bridge that has his train going across it. People throwing up their hands, looking towards the future, the whole community marching together as one. And whether you're uh, a man who might be a planner, the first guy on the right-hand side has a map. Uh, the guy next to him is a soldier. The guy in between or in the very middle at the top is holding the red communist book. There's a farmer woman, a scientist, maybe perhaps with the glasses. And then uh, the other woman that has the, the bundle of, uh, some sort of product in her hand that has her hand open. Everybody working together for a better China. And then the next image kind of shows you uh, this uh, massive hand or hands holding this grain, as well as some Chinese cultural images as far as the dragon and people beating on drums. The next image shows you two hands that are holding up what seems to be some sort of a dish. There's uh, corn, wheat, uh, I don't know what that is in the, um, the bucket right there, maybe a bound of something. Um, there's a pumpkin as well. And the last one shows a man holding an iron beam beam, beam in, his, uh, in his hand. Uh, once again, remember that the Great Leap Forward was agricultural as well as industrial, right? specifically the industry for making of more iron. Uh, iron for building of of houses and uh, industry. Now, those images show you the propaganda angle. It shows you what China wants the Chinese people to believe when they think about Mao and they think about communism and they think about the Chinese great leap forward. The next images that you're going to see is more of the reality. And so think to yourself as you're looking at these pictures, does reality match the propaganda? Does reality match the imagery that these people were bombarded with. And so the first picture you should see is a group of uh, collective collectivization uh, taking place at some of these communal farms. There are people that are plowing the earth and others perhaps are, are seeding. And you should see houses and homes in the back. Uh, these might be the some of the communal areas these people eventually would sleep in. Once again, we're talking about 20, 25, 26,000 people per communal farm. The next image will show you what the dining room areas look like. So on these communal farms for agriculture and as well as for industry, you'd wake up in the morning, you had your breakfast, you'd go straight out to the farms, you would work, you'd come in, you'd have your lunch, you'd go back out and work some more. You come in, you take your shower and you're done for the day and you're going to bed in your communal uh, areas. The children that you see there at the bottom, if you were of a certain age, you got some school and some education. And once you hit the age of work, then you also went out to the farm and you also assisted the grownups in, in farming. Um, Everything once again was done in community, uh, in community. So you had community showers, community dormitories. We're talking about areas that did not have privacy per family. So it's not that you had a house of your own. You pretty much lived from what I've heard. The equivalent would be as if we were in our gymnasium, for example, and you had maybe cloth dividers that would give you your own sleeping quarters for you and your family, all right? and then the next, you know, the next square of dormitory area would be for the next family, or then the next family, or then the next family. You're all sleeping and eating and bathing and working as one full commune or one full community. The next image shows you yet again another uh, view of what the community dormant or the community eating areas look like. And then if we go to the next slide, then you have industry as the title. These are backyard uh, furnaces is what they're they're known as. Um, because in, in order to make um, iron, you need to smelt iron. You need to take iron ore, you need to melt it down um, and then eventually create the actual beams, right? That you're going to need to build buildings. China didn't have uh, a huge industry. So what they did was, or a, a pre-developed industry. So they had to kind of make it in their own backyards. And so they would build backyard furnaces. And so if you go to the next slide, those little small towers that you see popped up on the ground, those are furnaces. They're made of clay. They're made of, of uh, straw as well. And so you would take dirt, you take straw, and you would build uh, these kind of little clay huts where they had a little opening. And you'd put uh, a fire on the inside and the clay would allow you to have your own furnace, right? So it would allow the fire to get to a decent heat on the inside. And then you would take pieces of rocks that you would find that had minerals in them and you would throw them into the the backyard uh, furnaces and you would eventually smelt your own metals. So as you're going through a couple of these, you'll see some of the larger ones in the next image. They look like little huts. All right. And these ones are a lot bigger than the previous image that you saw, which seemed to be like one person tall. Some of these really rounded, um, rounded buildings or rounded backyard furnaces have little chutes that come out through the top. You know, almost like thinking about like a, a pizza and an outdoor pizza oven. Right, outdoor pizza ovens oftentimes are done with clay. They're done with brick, and you can get the heat on the inside to you know get up to 700, 800, 900 degrees. Fahrenheit. So we're talking about these ovens that can melt things pretty instantly. The last picture that we have here uh, is a picture of Chinese women that are inspecting rocks. And as they're going through the rocks, they are picking out the rocks that can be used to make the the metals desired. Now, one of the major problems, if we we move forward, where it says a great leap forward results, talking about how the great leap forward was a big step backward. Industrial decline and food shortages were the major results of the Great Leap Forward. All right, so backyard furnaces. One of the problems with the backyard furnaces, as well as with the food shortages. Actually, let's, let's read through this first, and then we'll we'll go through it. So backyard furnaces were a problem. Labor camp conditions. So not like Nazi labor camp conditions, but if you lived in a commune and you did not do your job, Oftentimes the government might bully you or beat you, They might send somebody over to actually physically harm you to, to make you out to be the bad guy. So everybody else kind of stiffens up and says, no, 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 we have to do this. We have to work. We have to continue to farm and make more um, iron for China. And so sometimes the, the Chinese government was very heavy handed with people who did not fall in line. Uh, improper irrigation. So they had a hard, hard time, especially with water, trying to get water to certain areas for crops. Uh, Seeding techniques were not up to standard and quotas. And please notice that the quota is underlined, All right? So the quota goes back to the backyard furnaces and the food shortages. And you'll see this in the video. They'll have a couple people that'll talk about some of the damage that took place because of the great leap forward. It's either that or the cultural revolution. I, I got a, uh, There's two videos, but uh, I can't remember if the first video perhaps was on the failure or the second video is on the cultural revolution. I think it's on the cultural revolution. So um, quotas, what exactly is a quota? A quota is a number that you have to obtain. Um, if I tell you in class, for example, by the end of this unit, your quota of homework is to complete six homework assignments, then that means that you have to hit that quota, that number. So the government would put quotas for the communes. They would tell the communes, we need 30,000 pounds of grain by the end of the month. You have to hit your quota. For the iron, they would say, we need 50 tons of iron by the end of the month, and you have to hit your quota. Well, what would happen when you didn't hit your quota? The government would come in and end up being very heavy-handed the leaders of the communes could potentially lose influence or lose power, or if they weren't doing their job, they could disappear or be killed by the communist state. So what what ended up happening is that many of the leaders of those communes started doctoring their numbers. When the communists would come in with their trucks to load up all their grain. Remember that the communist government says we need 30,000 pounds of grain because the 30,000 pounds times however many thousands of communes there are is going to give us enough food to feed the Chinese people as well as put some aside. Okay, well, what happens when your commune doctors your numbers? Instead of having 30,000 pounds of grain, you only were able to hit a quota of 15. And what happens when each Chinese commune doctors their numbers? You're going to have less food, right? There's less food for more mouths. And one of the results of that time, food shortages and food shortages led to starvation, a massive national famine. Took place upwards of twenty to forty, maybe even sixty. I've I've read sixty. I think that seems to be a little too high, but anywhere between twenty to forty, upwards of maybe sixty million people died specifically of the famine. When you didn't hit your quota, if the government came in and was heavy-handed, heavy-handed with you, you didn't want to risk your life, so you simply lied, you doctored the numbers, and you said, "Yeah, we hit the we hit the quota. We hit the quota." It's not that the Chinese government is going and actually weighing it and saying, "Is this thirty thousand tons or thirty thousand pounds?" right? They come in and they say, oh, now look, the quota says 30,000 pounds. Great. Take it away. And you saved your life, perhaps if you're a leader of a commune, or maybe even the people in the commune might have saved their lives for a little while. But in the grand scheme of things, you're not providing enough food for the Chinese population. As far as the quotas for the backyard furnaces, Same thing would happen here. You had to hit a quota. And if you didn't hit a quota, the nation would come in, the communists would come in and be heavy-handed with you and very stern with you or potentially beat you or the leaders of those backyard furnaces, uh, communal areas might might disappear. And so they doctored those numbers as well. Or sometimes in those backyard furnaces, they would take anything. They would take rock. They would take dirt, they would take earth, and they would throw it in the furnaces. Now, if you're supposed to be taking only, only minerals that actually create iron, once, let's say, you throw a whole bunch of random pieces of rock and granites or whatever else you could find, I mean, people were even taking some of their uh, their plows, the uh, tips of their plows that were made out of iron and throwing them in the furnaces, uh, whatever they could find in order to hit the quota. But if you're not creating pure iron, what's going to happen when the what the Chinese believe is smelted iron, they actually make them into beams, and they put those beams into buildings, and there happens to be a huge amount of weight placed on a beam of iron that is maybe only 30% iron or 50% iron. Eventually, that beam is going to crack because that's not made of pure iron, and so buildings started collapsing. They couldn't actually use it. It became a complete waste of time and waste of effort. But those backyard furnaces were simply doctoring their numbers, just like the um, the communal farming areas to try to survive. As a result, this becomes a huge mess for Mao because Mao's the man who did the first great leap forward and was a success. Well, Mao's the leader of China and the second one was a huge failure. And as a result, Mao loses a lot of influence. Other communists start to kind of surpass him as trying to take over China and lead China into a different direction. That's not to say that Mao is just sitting there going, okay, I quit. He kind of takes a step back and takes a moment to think about his failures and think about his mistakes. And he is going to come back with a vengeance in the future. The next image that you see is a political cartoon. This one, of course, comes from the West. This is maybe an American uh, perspective of what happened in China. So this is criticism of Mao. And there's Mao, big guy, who's reading this decree by the microphone on the right-hand side underneath the communist. Um, I don't know why they have the Soviet flag there. Maybe they're trying to make a connection between Soviet Russia and communist China. But here Mao is saying at the very top, by government decree, every member of the commune is entitled to a private lot. And one of the ideas of communism is collectivization, that everybody lives as a community. Everybody gets a piece of land for themselves, but you can definitely see the drama here. It's not a piece of land as in farming land, right? Everybody gets their own private lot. And everybody gets their own box that they could live in for the remainder of their bodily lives. So there you see the coffin. One of the coffins says victims of hunger in red China. So it's trying to show the uh, horrible famine and what the results of poor planning. I would say probably even further, just what was the result of communism in general from a Western a western perspective. So, okay. Next uh, um Slide, you're going to see the title of Cultural Revolution, Mao Regains Influence by Backing Radicals. So for this part of the lesson, please go in. Uh, I would say first and foremost, watch the video, because the video is going to give you uh, a visualization of what we kind of talked about uh, uh, in in brief amounts, what we talked about. And then um, it's going to head forward towards the Cultural Revolution. Mao kind of stewing on what has happened to his China. Uh, How did he let 20 to 60 million people starve to death? And he believes, I don't know if this is true or not, or if he really believes it, but he starts to say that it wasn't his fault, that other forces were at play, that it wasn't his fault. It was because other people within the communist system are not communist enough. They're not true revolutionaries. And that is what led to the failure That is what led to twenty to sixty or nine or sixty million people dying of famine. So he creates the next step. Always these great titles, right? The first five-year plan, the great lead forward. He starts what is known as the cultural revolution. The same page you use on the previous assignment, five twenty, can be used to answer all three of these questions. They're at the very bottom of five twenty. So whether you're on the PDF. Or if you go to the online text, remember that you're looking up Chapter 8, Section 3. If you scroll down to where you answered the previous questions, you'll see it where it says the Cultural Revolution. So the three questions are, what was the goal of the Cultural Revolution? Two, um, who were the Red Guard? And three, for what actions were the Red Guard responsible? So what were the actions that the Red Guards uh, did or took on behalf of Mao? All right. The next slide, the next slide is the last one. It says next time, as China turns, the results of the Cultural Revolution. so we'll kind of review uh, what the Cultural Revolution was and what some of the results were. and we'll look at once Mao dies uh, post Mao China, what happens after Mao's death and China's going in a radical radically different direction. The man that you see here, his name is Deng Xiaoping. I know if you if you look at the name there, DEng, you think it's Deng, Deng. But it's that the E is more of a U. So it's Deng Xiaoping and his step or his process. Once again, another titled process, the four modernizations. Deng is going to take China into what we really know of of China today. Uh, China being a mixture of communism and capitalism. China becomes the producers of the world, the production capital of the world as the rest of uh, Western society kind of takes a step back. That's why so many products are made in China or Taiwan and that part of the world is really because of this man, Deng Xiaoping. Um, Let's see. When you are finished with this, I believe in the lesson plan I put, please do me a favor, snap a picture of the three questions that you've answered and shoot it my way. If you'd like to continue to work on the last homework portion of your packet, the one on China, you want to answer questions up until whatever you guys have reviewed for the Cultural Revolution, please do so. There might be two questions left, one about the four modernizations and one about the Tiananmen Square Massacre. We'll look at that section next time, so we'll go into a little bit more uh, about Deng Xiaoping and the, uh, the four modernizations, and then there's going to be a little video clip for you guys to watch on, um, the Tiananmen square massacre. All right. Uh, that ends the lesson for today. Hopefully you guys are all safe and sound. Uh, and I will see you next time. If there's any questions, please let me know.